From coast to coast across America, it's the U.S. Property Podcast with the latest real estate news, interviews, and market trends. And welcome back to the U.S. Property Podcast as we focus on the very latest real estate property news from around the country. Yes, we cover 50 states. We look at the trends, we focus on the predictions and everything that's happening with regard to the real estate industry. And we are available, of course, on iHeartRadio this morning, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Amazon. Well, Las Vegas real estate, it does remain dynamic and driven by a buoyant job market at the moment, fueled by hospitality, gaming and entertainment sectors. Now, this influx of employment boasts housing demand, also propelling home values upward. And additionally, the city's allure as a tourist hub is attracting potential homeowners, further spiking the demand and values. So how is the 2024 year going to shake down? Well, this morning we are catching up with Kirby Schofield in Las Vegas from Schofield Realty Group. And good morning, Kirby. Welcome to the U.S. Property Breakfast. Great to have you on. Uh, thank you for uh, having us. Tell us a little bit about yourself because you've been in the the Las Vegas market. I think you started your career in 2010 there in Nevada. Tell us a little bit about how you started off because, you know, you talk 2010, even though it sort of kind of sounds recent, it's uh, coming up 14 years ago. So I was a banker with Citibank my previous career and then a financial representative with New York Life for six years. And my main clientele was realtors that lasted through the crash that hit with the housing then. And so in 2010, I decided to get out of that. I got into real estate because they were the people still making money. And then was REO scene. So 99% of the homes listed were, and we had a ton of inventory, were REOs from the crash. And so I went under a team lead with Prudential then was my brokerage that he was a REO listing agent. And so I would work sign calls back then. And that's kind of how my career started in real estate. So vastly different than it is today. Yeah, so it probably was quite a good year to actually start in real estate after the GFC crash in 2010. Average price point then was 129000 for a house, about 40000 for a condo versus today's market where you're showing people homes and a lot of them are end buyers that they're going to be living in it. I was a lot of investors. 75% of the market was investors and a lot of the homes were stripped. So it was cash only. It was homes that some we couldn't even walk into, a lot of squatter situations, cash for keys. And so a way different showing, offering escrow process, dealing with banks then too in the REO world than it is today with a end user and usually a seller who is an actual person versus a entity. 
You know, I'm reminded just uh, a few weeks ago, I rewatched that movie, The Big Short, which kind of explained what happened in the GFC. And there's this really interesting Las Vegas portion where they go in and they talk to some people that are property owners. And it really just highlighted just how bad things really were and uh, probably unnecessarily might have given Las Vegas Vegas a bit of a bad rap. Yeah, because it was just people who bought and then they were buying loans. They were getting loans that they didn't understand. And that's where it all crashed. But they were still just normal people or people that thought they were investing in real estate that shouldn't have been. That couldn't afford to keep those homes. I mean, you had bartenders owning six homes, but they're all interest only loans and they couldn't afford the arm once it went up. Yeah. And so they had to foreclose on them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't seen that movie, I would highly recommend The Big Short because it does take you into the GFC and all the machinations and gives you a little bit of an insight into just how bad things were. But okay, let's sort of fast forward, Kirby, because that is such a long time ago when you started, 14 years ago. Boy, the market, I mean, you're talking about condos, 40,000. The market has really moved on since then. Oh yeah, now we're 270,000 for a condo, 480 for a house. So what are some of the things that uh, you sort of reflect back on? If we just sort of look, uh, maybe the the back end of 2023, what were some of the real, really big talking points for you? What were some of the things that surprised you in the market there? How media kind of controls what the consumer thinks versus what the actual dollars are. So even though rates have been the talk, the difference between our market into 2023 versus beginning of 2022, for example, before the Fed raised the rate in June, was you're paying 10% minimum, 15% over appraised value to win a home. If you take that money that you were spending extra out of pocket to a seller to win a bid, and you divide that by three to five years on a rate difference, it's actually cheaper with the higher rates than what people are paying in 2022 for a house. Okay, so here we are in February. What is the supply looking like, Kirby? Given the fact of the the problem with the people sitting on their interest rates, they, they're not wanting to move. And nobody can really blame them because given the, the way that the rates have gone up. Yeah, so we have a ton of inventory of sellers waiting for rates to come down so they can afford to get a house equal or better than what they have, but they have rates sitting, you know, 2 to 3% versus, you know, 5%, 6% plus. What I always tell everybody is if you have to move due, due to a life circumstance or situation, that's when you move. Don't base it off of rates because right now uh, you're still able to possibly get concessions from a seller where if we dwindle to less inventory and more buyer demand based off of the rates, it's going to raise those premiums back up and people will be paying out of pocket again over appraisal to win a house. And you really have to look at the math on a piece of paper and how much is that difference between that and the rate. If the rate was a couple hundred dollars more a month, but you're paying 50 grand more for a house, how many years can you pay more on that payment and hope that you can refi later versus waiting and they also lose the appreciation that possibly could build on that home? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. So having a look at the Las Vegas uh, market in terms of interstate movers, 
What do you see as likely to happen in the first half of 2024? And perhaps you could just tell our listeners what has been happening at the back end of last year with interstaters uh, moving into Nevada, particularly Las Vegas. We have a huge amount of Californians coming in. We also have other states, New York, Canada, actually, internationally, Seattle, Oregon, not much Florida. So we're kind of hit spot like Arizona is, like Florida is, and Texas. And it's a lot of things with uh, income taxes. But with our continuing development of commercial properties, uh, we've been very different than most landscapes of other cities. Uh, Just in December of 2023, we have the Fountain Blue after more than a decade opening. We have the Durango Resort and Hotel opening. We had the Spear open. And those three properties alone were more than 10,000, 15,000 jobs. The Sphere, I think they said 6,500 jobs alone. And then you have two mega resorts that open. So as those jobs open, that causes a lava movement which means homes buying and selling, people relocating, and um, people getting better jobs, which is resulting in more income and them buying bigger homes. So just talk to, say, the Canadians that decide to, to move into Las Vegas. They might know of people there or they might go there for a weekend, a few days, enjoy it, and find themselves looking at real estate. What are some of the, perhaps give us three questions that are the most commonly asked questions. And, you know, they can be from the likes of uh, especially the Canadians, because I think the Canadians are slightly different, aren't they, as opposed to the Californians that might be coming <laughs> coming to you. So maybe just sort of break all of that down for us this morning, Kirby. Yeah, so California, you know, it's relocation based off of taxes of those cities and controls and states. Whereas Canada sees us as an investment opportunity and has for some time. We're still priced right, but then also uh, for their, uh, we are a huge hub for the conferences. So a lot of the Canadian investors I've had, they will buy properties here. Um, they usually target towards the strip of the high rises, but then once they see the high rise cost of HOA, they'll look for more off the strip homes, golf course communities, stuff like that. And a lot of them that I've had purchased, they purchase for something to have when they're here during their conferences. We have short term things like the Airbnb type properties, but then they will also purchase long term and to have a sit and hold type real estate investment that could possibly home for them later as a second home. And you're talking about those jobs, you know, the old rule is always follow the infrastructure, follow the infrastructure, and you'll normally find good investment. So clearly it's feeling quite buoyant at the moment. Yes, everything from like our office is located 215 in Durango area. That's right where the new hotel between the Durango Resort Hotel here and State Line, it's blowing up like towards prim the m just also they're breaking ground 2024 sometime as far as a 216 million i think it was uh expansion that's over off the 15 and southern highlands area there's just a ton of growth in the last couple years before the fed raised the rate everything that was multifamily and or land was being bought up and by invest commercial investors to build what's being built now the office space, retail spaces. When I got into it, what we started with in 2010, everything was empty. Like every retail shopping center barely had people surviving in it from the crash before. 
everything now is filled. Mm-hmm. Like where we're at in the southwest side of town, where office primary located and these other places, there is no vacancies. They are filled. There was issues in 2023 with SBA loans as far as the rates being too high. And so they got private investors help. And there's products like that out there that are still in the market dealing with stuff. Four years later, we are not closed, but we are actually expanding that many mega resorts in town um, within one year where the last time that we had that kind of growth and you saw us boom from it was after the last crash and city center opened. everything was like closed down. Everything was cranes abandoned, like stuff stopped during the last crash. And then we had city center open and it kind of like revitalized the town because everybody started moving jobs. When someone moves to a new place that opens a position at that old place. And so it just caused ton of movement. And that's where we're at now is we actually have multiple resources opening, providing jobs across the valley, multiple products opening, projects opening in 2024. Yeah, plenty of building going on right now, it would seem, in Las Vegas. And as well as exciting, many cities around the US, I think, are somewhat envious that A, it is happening, and B, that you have the land available to continue to do that growth. But that said, the inventory is a national problem at the moment. So tell us what is happening with regard to that, as well as the affordability factor and whether pricing has become an issue in 2024. What we have is no inventory. We need some of those forbearances from COVID to lift or people to start selling due to change of life. That will open up natural inventory. The builders can only do so much. The builders are going crazy. As of the last quarter in 2023, 45% of the homes sold in Las Vegas were new builds. Way different than our normal market of, say, 6 to 10%. And that's due to the resale inventory that due to forbearance and those low interest rates that have been locked up. I think it will change. I think we're going to naturally have it. People move, people retire, people have babies, jobs change things. And what's good about Vegas is they will show on some reports that we had a decline in value, but it wasn't really a decline in value because appraisals never dropped lower. We had a decline in the premiums being paid from 2022 when the market was nuts and people were just paying whatever. So that price the house sold for, yes, changed, but the actual appraised value has still only gone up with the homes. Uh, It was the premium that was being paid over that was the difference. So we foresee in 2024, anyone who's working hard as a realtor, putting in the work, working for the client, doing what's right, doing that extra step, knowing their game and honing it down to a science is going to be successful. And anyone looking to buy or sell, uh, if you're looking to buy, there is so many new products in the lending scheme out there. They're always coming out with something new to help. There's down payment assistance programs. There is then also on the selling side, you haven't lost value. So my 13, 14 years now, I have not seen a home on appraised value drop in Vegas. And it's due to us constantly building more commercial product that the consumer uses. 
Well, it's been great to catch up with you this morning, Kirby. That is Kirby Schofield. He's in Las Vegas, Nevada from Schofield Realty Team. And uh, Kirby, look forward to talking to you again on the US Property Podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me. While we can't predict the future of the real estate market, we can provide you with insights on what's currently trending. It's powerful information at your fingertips on the U.S. Property Podcast. I just want to come back to that 1.5 month supply of homes. Some people, some of our listeners won't really know what that means. So Greg, just explain that. Yeah, and even it, it, it came up even a little towards the very end of 23, more like a 1.8 month supply. We like to use a term called the absorption rate. And what that means is that if no other homes came on the market, it's how many months it would take to sell off the existing inventory. There's a gauge that you can use for this. It, it, again, it's sort of a ballpark indicator of what's going on. And basically, you know, anything up to about a about a six month supply, give or take, uh, is about balanced market. And if you go under that six month supply, you're leaning into a seller's market. If you go over that supply, then you lean into a buyer's market. From powerful and up-to-date news to professional real estate experts with the latest property trends, know your property with the U.S. Property Podcast.